Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. This is Hugh Ballou and Russell David Dennis. How are you today, Russ? Greetings. Great day out here in Denver, Colorado, and it's been a remarkable year for the Nonprofit Exchange, and we've still got a little more than a full quarter to go to bring you great content here, folks. We do. We do. And of course, it's timeless, and we don't uh, mention dates, but uh, if we did mention dates, it would be September. <laughs> and this is year 2018, but the, the stuff that I find over and over and over, Russell, that the content that our guests share with us is really timeless. It's, 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 it's information we can use all the time. So hanging on to these is something I'd recommend. What about you? I would say go to the iTunes store and subscribe if you haven't done so yet. You can find us there and on a number of other platforms as well. And this is information that you can take with you on the go. Uh, on your mobile device, you can listen to it in the car. And the principles we talk about uh, are timeless, as you said, and they cover all sorts of areas of excellence, not just for nonprofits, but for profit-making businesses, too. And we feature leaders in, in their industry, thought leaders in their industry here every week at 2 p.m. Eastern time to give you the information you need to uh, continue to do the work that you do, do it effectively, do it efficiently, and have new things to think about and consider and share with your teams. So we um, occasionally, uh, two or three times a year, set aside one of these sessions to go back and review the, the past sessions, the highlights, things that, that um, stood out to us. And of course, Russell and I note different things, sometimes the same things, but it's really helpful to have your perspective, Russell. So let's, let's dig in just to um, point out the highlights. And like Russell said, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, and you can go back and just listen to these. I play podcasts on trips, and it gives me something to focus on, stay awake, but it also creates um, a new thinking brain for me. I, I think possibilities. And, and so I find it very helpful to have a podcast playing when I'm trying to navigate traffic or one of those uh, interstates where there's cars keeping me from going where I want to go. It's, it's, uh, it's really good to have that inspiration. Now, the, we're going to go backwards from today. And the first one that we're going to talk about is Wendy Adams, who um, I, I've known for almost a year since I moved to Lynchburg. But one day I said, you should be a guest on the podcast. And she said, we're sure. And so the next week we put her in the, in the schedule. And uh, we try to schedule ahead, but occasionally we have some openings that are that are uh, pretty fast, and she was able to get in there. And her, her, I just kept dropping my jaw. And Russell, you had a conflict that day, and you couldn't be here. But Wendy is the chief relationship officer of this nonprofit that's probably about five blocks from my house. I never knew that. And so we met at... Uh, what would be normally called a Chamber of Commerce. It's the Lynchburg Business Alliance. And it's sort of like a Chamber of Commerce on steroids. It's a very good organization. But we were doing networking and got acquainted. So she is the development person, but they've named it relationship officer because we have to have relationships to be able to get people to support us, either showing up as board members or showing up as donors or sponsors. So it's, a, it's an international organization based right here down the street uh, from me. There's interesting rings here in Lynchburg that I'm finding out. There's national headquarters for several, several, uh, several entities. We found out the other day that J. Crew has a major shipping office here that ships to the whole country. That's like, duh. Uh, anyway, so this interview with her had a number a very, very, very good sound bites, very substantial um, pieces of wisdom. Her wisdom vastly exceeds her young age. And, and so she knows how to engage the board. 
we find a lot of boards that want us want to help with fundraising they don't know how and so her engagement with the board and her conversations and her her tutoring she trains the board and helps them do what they want to do but don't know how to do so i am um, I, I highlighted a number of things in that interview but russell um, when you go back and, and take a peek at it, um, the transcript's on the website and it's pasted into um, the podcast. So when people download the podcast, you can you can look at the interview and look at the, the narrative there. Um, but she gave really substantial advice about how to create a paradigm that your supporters want to give to. And so that was, that was uh, basically... And she builds teams. Uh, she doesn't. The, the organization builds sports teams. It's a, it's a Christian ministry. And they build sports teams, and they build relationships so they can have those meaningful conversations with people. And, and so it was, uh, it was like she scripted the interview. She just had so much on the ball. So I would encourage people to go and highlight. Um, it's, it's stepping on and off the field of hope and transformation. And transformation is the story of that podcast. So, uh, Russell, when you get a chance to go back and listen, I bet you'll find being the funding resource consultant that you are, I bet you'll find a lot of, lot of value in that broadcast. Well, I love it. You know, 30 years that they've been at it now, and it's really remarkable. And there are a number of things that really struck out at me. And she talked about how she's immersed in in what she does. And to her, work is not a four-letter word. Mm -hmm. uh, she loves that. And uh, being there and building relationships with others is really important. So they use, you know, they use sports, uh, the, the language of sports that they use to connect with and storytelling. And she brings people into the story so that it becomes theirs. And that starts with good listening. And, and what she talks about is building relationships. And that's at the root of all of our work. But she does that intentionally. She talks about intentional uh, listening to build relationships and to make connections with everybody through, throughout the organization and in the organization. One of the things she talked about was working on herself. And she talked about that being almost more important than the work, working on yourself so that you can be effective at taking care of others and bringing them into the fold. And that you're building a community. And uh, so the, you know, I don't know how many organizations think of themselves as community builders, but uh, we operate in, in, in the same community. And so when talking to one another, it's critical to look at each other's community members, and, and, and that builds collaboration. So very brilliant young lady. Huh? I don't know how she got so brilliant so quickly. but <laughs> I don't know either, but it was really uh, – I, I knew she was on the ball, but I didn't know she had that much depth to her. You know, being, being older, I think we have to be older to have that much wisdom, but I've been wrong. Well, so, some some work faster than others, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe she works a little fast. It's all good, though, because she's yeah. out there. She's making a difference in the community and, and uh, continuing to build relationships. And reframing her title to be the chief relationship officer. Uh, so I, I, there's just a lot of depth. And you picked up, on, as I said earlier, um, some different different highlights. So thank you for that. We And the week before, uh, we interviewed Jim Diger. Now, Jim's a person that we've known, uh, I've known for a number of years. And uh, eight, seven, eight, nine years, I never knew he had a, a stint with the U.S. Treasury Department and understood the banking system. And I, I know he's been in in some large organizations doing some analytical work. But what he talked about was having an alternative to a balanced scorecard or a Six Sigma system. And we specifically, he, he works with corporations. But we specifically talk about how do you, uh, for nonprofit organizations, how do you have the right kind of data so that you can make effective decisions? Now, 
I misjudged him from the on, uh, from the start. I thought it was financial analysis tools to make financial decisions. That's only part of it. So he he brought a whole new perspective to how do we create the window to find the real facts so we can make fact-based decisions and not just go with what I would say would be Kentucky windage. <laughs> That's a combination. I mean, you know, the work that, that for purpose entity does, there's a meeting between uh, compassion and compliance mm-hmm. that we all have to make. And uh, a piece of that is, is understanding uh, how well we're doing, how effective are we, how efficient are we, and getting tools to measure what we're doing. And this is what he's talking about at a, at a very high level. He's talking about doing that. He's doing that with, with larger companies. But we have to be able to tell that story. We have to have the, the data, and data is just kind of a way of life. Uh, and it's important to have it and, and to measure the most important things for each organization. It, it varies a little bit. So you really have to have a conversation uh, about what you're doing uh, with Jim to figure out which things are most important to measure. But it, it goes to not just finances, it goes to performance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the week before that, it was very specific for church leaders. And as you might imagine, that's something I know a lot about, having served the church for 40 years. Chris, Chris Russ, I started when I was extremely young. You know that. <laughs> I know that, but sometimes you forget. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, I found that I resonated with Jim Chandler. He's a consultant. He's an ordained Methodist pastor, but he works with other pastors. And um, he helps them think through their systems but he does it from a, a very strong Christian spiritual viewpoint. And um, we, we dealt with a number of the different topics like leader burnout, like uh, over-functioning with, lead, with leaders. And clergy are even higher on the, the burnout scale than nonprofit leaders at large. And part of it is they don't have an outside perspective to get out of the trenches. Uh, we learn something, we repeat what we've learned, we've seen a model, we've inherited a model. So it's particularly difficult for uh, mainline church pastors to think in a different way because they're so deeply embedded into a system that really doesn't, doesn't work. So I found that, that the, the tools and systems that he talked about were yet again, very practical. And he encourages, and I know because he's working with a group of churches in Lynchburg, he lives up in the Charlottesville, Virginia area. But um, the buzz on him is they've got, uh, he's got the, uh, there's a group of 10 that, that are studying together, got them thinking in a very different perspective. So what were the points that stood out for you, sir? Well, you know, the challenge that he sees, and we discussed this a little bit in the podcast, is that uh, when it comes to pastors, they are uh, overloaded, as it were, uh, by the very nature of their position, because not only are they expected to provide uh, uh, spiritual and moral leadership to the congregation, they're expected to be, in effect, the chief uh, executive officer, a chief operating officer as well. So they have all of these roles rolled up into one that they're responsible for. And that kind of makes it difficult for them to pass things on. And so the business of running a church may be something that's just not in their wheelhouse, yet they're responsible for that. So it makes it difficult for some of them to delegate things. So, uh, and having your team, having effective uh, team members around you is a a lot of what we discuss. And uh, that's how we build better churches. We bring level five leaders into the fold so that they can help uh, build that uh, ministry and spread that message. So 
Uh, he's got a lot of really great tools. So if you want to listen to that podcast, go back and listen to that if you're a church leader. Uh, we we talked about a lot of things, and he has a lot of great tools uh, that you can access. Well, and Russ, I think, even though it's specifically for the Christian church, there are lessons that rabbis and, and board chairs for synagogues can be, be helped with. And also, um, the standard community nonprofit cause-based charity uh, is in the church, but it's people rallied around a particular philosophy and the culture of volunteerism. So I think the principles are pretty much the same. What do you think? They are. They are very much the same. And the lessons around building that team and being able to delegate and burn out are a huge clue for everyone who's in this type of an organization. You can you can glean a lot from that. And uh, yeah. trying to be everything and having everything thrust upon you is too much for any leader, no matter where they are. So it's being able to build good leaders around you that will help you be more effective. Uh, the better the people around you are, the better you look as a leader. Oh, that's right. I, I remember your statement when you're the smartest person on your team. Yeah. Well, if I'm the smartest guy in the room, I run and look for another room. That's right. Get out of there. <laughs> now, before that, um, there was a Rukas. Um, Daniel Rook, who goes by Rook, I've known him so long I call him Daniel, but I, most people just call him Rook. And Rook is a um, has worked for Disney and a number of bigger companies. He has his own consulting enterprise around marketing, but it's about branding and marketing, website, all of this stuff is fully integrated. And therefore, uh, he thinks about the brand image, not only the and a lot of times people think, oh, I have a logo, that's my brand, which we corrected in this interview. No, that's that's the symbol for your brand. Your brand is is the identity that ought to be consistent throughout everything you do. Your culture, your website, your business cards, your verbiage, this should be a consistency um, with your brand representation, your brand promise, your brand identity, your brand image. And um, you did this because I was on a, a flight to San Diego that day, so I kicked it off. So I don't, um, I'm looking at the script here. There's, I know that um, Rook has tons of great ideas. When I, I'm at a convention or a conference and he's teaching, the room is always full and energized. So why don't you highlight a few of the things. You were the, the solo interviewer there like I was with Wendy, and you, I'm sure you extracted some really good stuff from his brain. Well, we talked about Brandon creating that image in the mind of others about what it is that you do and letting people know what you do. Uh, and he talked a little bit about being vocal. You know, you almost have to be shameless in what it is that you do uh, and talking to people. And he talked about dominating your, 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 your market with branding. And branding is letting people know not just who you are, but what you do and getting out there and using tools to get out there and become visible. Uh, one of his favorite tools is Facebook. And he's done some uh, remarkable material to help you get out and find out who it is that you're relating with, uh, how to connect with them, uh, what moves them, how to learn a little bit about who they are, put an avatar together, and to make your nonprofit visible. And that was a great deal of what we talked about. But it's all about who you are. It's all about who the people around you are and getting out there and letting them know what you do. And if you tune into that podcast, there's some great resources that he has that you can plug into to help put together a social media strategy. So it's important to be visible and you have to be where your audiences are. So we've got sponsors like Bill Gilmore who does stuff with that to make sure that we're visible to the people that we work with so that we reach everybody uh, on the channel that they like and to be visible there and, and just to 
dominate that brand, but be clear about who we are with the consistent message. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we get ideas and we go out and we, we do a big push about who we are and then we forget about it. The last word I heard you say was consistently. So consistency is, is one of the big secrets that I took away, uh, having looked at the transcript. And as I said uh, earlier in this interview, um, if you go to the website, you can find us at the nonprofitexchange.org, and it takes you to the Center Vision Leadership page for uh, what's coming up next and what was last week. So it's, um, it's a uh, holding page, and then you can click at the bottom of that little short page, and you can see the archives. Now, right now, we have a number of archives, and they're, they're going to be protected for people that join our online community for community builders. And Russell, we just relaunched it, got a new website. It's really safe. And it, you mentioned Facebook. This is like having the, the, the value of Facebook, but it's very specific for others like you that are serious about building their teams, building the revenue for the, the, the for purpose, as you were careful to say, we call them nonprofits, building the organization, building the revenue, and managing ourselves so that we're not um, getting into this burnout mode. But when you go there, you'll find under each interview, there's the transcript. And you can, I skim it a lot when I read new articles, but looking at some of the sound bites and some of the, uh, the, the pieces that have been talked about in the interview, um, and you can print it out and highlight it and save it in your leadership notebook. I encourage people to have a place to store things or if you have a, a tool like um, we use Evernote a lot, you can clip it and put it in your Evernote notebook for interviews. So we've put them there for people to get value. And you'll be able to access, it's sort of like when I go to my um, PBS app on my Apple TV, I can view PBS or on my phone. I can view the PBS shows that were just recent, like the last three, four weeks. And after that, I have to be a subscriber to PBS to be able to watch those episodes. That's the model that we're using with the Nonprofit Exchange. We have four years worth of interviews for us. So they go back to just some really, really great interviews uh, throughout. So on those pages, you have the uh, every word of the interview. And we typically have a link to the website for the person that we're interviewing. Some of these people offer services to nonprofit leaders, others just are instrumental in running, running a charity. These are people who've been there, they've got a proven track record, been there, done it, and can talk about it. And so I encourage you to go and look at them. And the week before that was um, an archive recording that we had done months before that, which coincidentally, that was with Juliet Clark, who's a book publishing expert and has a business around that. But uh, since that first interview, she's joined forces with Rook, that we interviewed, uh, just talked about, as the the marketing expert on his team. And she talks about uh, assessments, really finding out what people think, what they want, before we go and market to them, and then building uh, a trusted relationship with people. She does it through social media as well, but she does it through several other means. But I, and we had um, David Dunworth came in and was a, an interviewer and had some questions on that one. He's one of our previous, previous guests. But um, she talks about building community like we're, we're beginning to do with the, the Center Vision Leadership Community for Community Builders. Um, I found that to be another interview that... I listen with ears that think, what do I need to learn? And Russell, every week, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that I need to learn. So I think these are great, fun interviews, but they're also very helpful. Now, so what stood out to you with Juliet? Yeah, what she talks about is just really kind of keeping the pulse on people. It's asking questions. Uh, last week's interview, you know, we talked about building relationships. It's asking questions. It's talking to people to find out what matters to them. 
this is how we build that relationship and enhance that connection. And an assessment is really a wonderful tool. She's got, I said, I actually had a call with her a few weeks ago. She's got some phenomenal tools for any organization to use to build a relationship. And, uh, you know, her her uh, contact information, her website is in the transcript. Uh, connecting with her, she has a Facebook page too, uh, building platforms. Uh, so that's what Juliet does. That's what Daniel does. They talk about getting your message out there to the people that matter. And it's not just a one-way conversation. You want to engage with folks and talk with them. If you aren't working actively to create a brand, people are going to decide what your brand is for you. So it's it's staying connected, talking with them. Juliet is a master at what she does. She helps writers. She helps organizations. So give that a listen. Uh, and the best way to really keep up with what we have here is to subscribe. And it's not just available in the iTunes store. Stitcher is another place where the Nonprofit Exchange podcast is available. But you definitely want to check out the new Cinevision Leadership website. We have loads of cool tools and wonderful stuff uh, for you to get in there and have a look at and enjoy because that's where we bring you the value uh, that you get here in, in our podcast, we have other tools, ways to connect with people who've been here, and you can build the library. And once you subscribe, you get notified every time a new podcast comes in. You've got them all there. You've got access to the whole library. And as Hugh said, we've got four years of broadcast, and there's just lots of value and thought leaders. And we want to hear from you. There's a comment section in there. We want to hear from you what you found was most valuable, uh, what you love about this. You can do that in the Facebook comment section. If there are people who you've heard here that you really, really, really love and you want to have them back, we want to know that too, because this show is to bring you value. So uh, let us know what it is that you want to hear more about, what you want to learn more about who you want to see come back, and uh, we're here to accommodate. Absolutely, Russell. And that Juliet um, lives in Salt Lake City, and Rook, of course, lives in Orlando. And the next one that was before that was um, Barry Acatel, and um, we interviewed him at a different time because our normal time at 2 o'clock on Tuesdays was 4 a.m. in Australia, Brisbane, Australia. And I've known Barry for at least 10 years. And I've seen his the conversations, the game. It's an amazing tool. And it people who are fighting each other end up asking each other for their phone number and talking and like they're friends because it opens up a whole new way of relating. So it's a it's a board game called communications. But he played it with us. He did a little sample on the interview. So I would encourage people to go look at this interview. It's quite remarkable what he's created. He's done a number of remarkable things, but this uh, communications, the game is certainly on the top of my list of important tools. And how many organizations you've been in Russell, where there's people who are cut off from each other? Well, I'm not talking to them anymore. And of course, we could go to our, our nation's capital and find a bunch of these. But it was you know, gathering around. Now, people have to be willing to listen. And he gave me a new, a new term. Um, I've always used the term active listening. But he gave us the term empathetic listening. So you're listening at a deeper level. Um, what's the intent? What's the emotion behind it? And I guess that was your first exposure to Barry and the game. So what stood out for you? Oh, you know, and Wendy, Wendy used that. Wendy Adams last week used that empathetic listening term. Uh, the way that we talk to each other is, is something that we can think through. The way that this game is structured is just phenomenal because a lot of times we don't think about how we're using language. And within 10, I, I think our demo was maybe 10, 15 minutes. 
And this was a tool he put together because he wanted to improve the relationships within his family. He actually built the thing for himself. Just to, That's the thing that's so remarkable. And where it started off as something that was used for personal relationships, well, wait a minute, he thought. Aren't all relationships personal? Yes, to some degree they are. And how we talk to one another and speak to one another it's very important. And this game is called a game, but it's a power tool. It's a power tool for having conversations, difficult conversations especially. It's a power tool for how you have conversations with one another. And it could be something that could really just take the lid off how you talk to one another in a boardroom. I mean, could you imagine going in and having a session of communications, the game, with every board meeting you went into, you would you be looking forward to going to these meetings or would you be avoiding them? I'll tell you, for me, it would be a lot, uh, a lot more uh, entertaining and a lot more fulfilling than anything that's done by following Robert's Rules of Order. And I think you could get to some very deep meaning. You can get the deeper meaning. Uh, you can you can honor everybody in the room because the way that you speak in this game removes all of the judgment, the criticism, all of the other things that really can uh, throw a wrench into a conversation. I just thought it was remarkable. Oh, you are you. You're not muted, are you? I don't hear you. Ah, okay. He was speaking, but I I don't hear him on the audio uh, yet. Can you hear me, Hugh? I can't hear you. Ah, well, we've got a little bit of technical difficulty. Please go back and watch this podcast. Uh, uh, to find out more about com uh, communications, the game, uh, our guest, Barry Archer, Archer, Archetti, A-U-C-H-E-T-T-I, Barry Archetti. He is in Australia, and this game was very remarkable. Communications, the game, uh, it's great for not just the boardroom, but for your personal relationships as well. So this was very, very, very good. Okay. Hugh, we still are having a little bit of difficulty with you on the audio. Hang on. Okay, there we go. Ah, you are back. I got too many things open on the computer. What I was um, going to ask is he, he turned the paradigm around when we started playing the game. Sometimes we listen in order to respond with our opinion. And do you remember, I'm trying to remember, he told us that we weren't to respond to the other person. We were just to listen. Do you remember that, how he, um, it's, 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 it's really about listening to each other. So what he does is he turns it around and it's magically creates an open connection, he said. So he, he has different, different cards that he pulls out randomly. Um, and so it's, there's a lot of, it's not something we normally do. And, and so we, we reposition everything. So I found it to be a, um, a whole new perspective in, in conversation, which is the whole, the whole point of it. And so do you remember how he set that up for us to be better listeners at the beginning? Well, you know, he talked about addressing issues or things that we're talking about and doing that openly without preconceived notion, asking questions and having that be the best way to do it so that instead of talking at each other, we're talking about a perspective on a certain subject. And see, this is the difficulty because when we went into this, uh, into this broadcast, uh, it was his idea that we probably should you can't really 
explain it. You can't describe it. It's something that you have to experience to actually get the gist of how it works. And so that was a piece of the broadcast I appreciated because to, to actually describe that process would be difficult. I really encourage folks to go and listen to that podcast. Very Alchuti. Alchuti? Alcatel. Alcatel. You know, I couldn't remember how to pronounce his name. <laughs> I apologize, Barry, but you know, I love the game. Alcatel. Yeah. You, Alcatel. You know, but you, you really have to watch the interaction with the game and how everything was set up and how the follow-up questions were set up because we can't really describe it. And he didn't try to describe it, even though he created it. He didn't try to describe it. It's just phenomenal. So I encourage you to go back. Absolutely. Absolutely. He set it up with us, Russell, with that, that active empathetic listening, which from active empathetic. But before that, he said, um, authentic communication is two-way process. Uh, we need to be able to speak and feel safe so speaking. So often, often, authentically speak, he says, and know that we're not going to be criticized. So when someone speaks, no one comments. Uh, they get to speak without anyone saying that was a good answer or a bad answer or why don't you do this or try to fix someone. There's no fixing. It, and then we use I statements. Uh, I statements, instead of saying, you need to do this, it's for me. I might choose to meditate more or something. So that's the first part. And the second part was, of course, that um, empathetic empathetic listening. Now, the week before that, you brought somebody to the interview that knew me, but I didn't know, Jess Duell. So yeah, how you read cool. out here? Talk about Jess and her brilliance. That was a great interview. Yeah, Jess speaks a lot to culture and just taking everything we do and turning it looks upside down, looking at it from different angles and always being open and willing to be more effective at what we do. And she builds cultures, and that's what she speaks to a lot is building culture uh, effective cultures and cultures uh, uh, that are inclusive in organizations. So that's really a strength that she has is just going in and taking a fresh look at what you're doing and doing it better. Yeah, yeah. And that was another time I was traveling and I was in a, a lobby of a hotel in Orlando. And I remember I had a little bit of background noise, but that was, uh, I, and I had some, some people in the audience down there with me and we had some good conversations, uh, following that. So it was purposeful de- decision-making and effective problem solving, but it's through this, this culture piece that you and I know something about, but, um, Jess, and she gives her website there and, uh, another person whose wisdom greatly, uh, is, is ahead of her years chronologically. So we have two people. Um, and, and where does uh, where was Jess from? You remember where she lives? She lives in Boulder, Colorado. She's here in my neck of the woods, and and uh, um, out there, one of those square states. You got well, that. yeah, well, rectangular here out in Colorado, and, and uh, we're going to come back to Lynchburg here in the next. The, the, the previous ones uh, before we go to California, but I interviewed a communications professor at Liberty University, which is here in the backyard. Okay. And he happens to be doing, uh, has a marketing business, marketing communications, and he's working with the Lynchburg Symphony Orchestra as the marketing person. And he's, he's teaching people different, the audience, he's teaching them different things, whether it's about the instruments or the composers and he actually interviewed me about how to do strategic planning for nonprofits. So they, he's actually giving the people uh, that are reading the promotions useful information. And then he says, oh, by the way, we're doing this great concert. Why don't you come? And his, the, the views on the website and on the videos on Facebook have accelerated dramatically because he's taken a whole giving uh, aspect to doing marketing. 
He's giving people information and he's giving them a good time. He's a tuba player. Okay. And he named his tuba Marvin. So he dresses up Marvin and he, and he puts him in some place around town, takes a video of him. And so he's done a game on Facebook. Where in the world is Marvin? And it's just fascinating how he's taken um, this very somber topic of marketing and he's turned it around to give people a good time and teach them something. And, and people are responding to that in a, uh, a very positive way. So if, if you're looking at telling your story, there's another way to do it. Uh, do you remember that one, Russ? Well, yeah, it's it, well, it's sticking up. I think Daniel covers uh, and and, and uh, Juliet talk about those things so well. How do we distinguish ourselves? Yet, you know, understand that everything is about the cause. Everything's about the cause. Standing out in a way that draws people in and giving them a message. You know, people want to know what's in things for them. What's in it for me? Uh, and and Jessica talked about that, how we can become disconnected from our work and, and, and from the people we're serving. And so it's about being there and being present and being able to communicate what it is that the value is that you bring to people and you, you give them something, you know, everything, every time you communicate with somebody, it's not about an ask, it's about telling them what their support is enabling you to do and empowering you to do. And just, just to get out there and have fun with what you're doing and just, just be yourselves, be authentic. Uh, and that's important as far as reaching other people. That's cool. It's cool. Now, uh, Sarah is another person in my neighborhood that I met. She was doing a presentation at my Rotary. And what I, what I discovered was that she's a person that's the executive director of this, this charity called Miriam's House. Mm. She went from zero to the top. Um, she didn't train to be executive director. She was a <laughs> worker person. But she applied herself and used her brilliance to then move into the leader seat. And she's embraced that position and done some remarkable work. What stood out for you with Sarah's story? You know, homelessness is such a difficult issue to deal with, you know, and they, homeless people require so many different things. And what was clear about the operation at Miriam's house was that they had the mindset that you have to get somebody in a stable place you have to get them in housing. If you've got people bouncing around all over the place, they're not sure where they're going to be from one day to the next. You can't really help them solve the problems that they have. And they look at the whole person. They are masters at collaborating with other agencies around them. They thrive on collaboration. And this is something that, that she emphasized again and again and again and again the power of collaboration and the need to take that holistic approach it was just it's it's amazing they're doing remarkable work and we talked about everything from the homeless population and some of the statistics to uh how do you how do you bring move people through the system what are some of the challenges uh and one that we talked about was affordable housing everywhere so they've got they've got a great little operation. They've been effective uh, in the um, in the in the amount of impact they made. You know, if you look at at work that they do, you can look at it two ways. They've either funneled a lot of people through, or they funneled a few people through. But the few people that they funneled through have seen remarkable changes. So it's the amount of impact in the lives of the people that Miriam's house serves that's remarkable. Not necessarily the numbers, they're huge numbers, but it's where people start and where they finish up. And they've been very good at what they do. Absolutely. So um, before that, we were in California with a gentleman named Christian Lafer. And Christian helps set up nonprofit organizations. He, it's a turnkey, start to finish, does it for you. And I would 
I would point out at a very reasonable price. And so uh, he's got a business called Changemakers. He had a different name at that point, but it's now called Changemakers. But besides doing that, he does the compliance piece. And I don't know with your, your background and the work you've done in the past, if uh, how many charities you've run across that don't know they have to register in every state. There's 41 states that require you to register in order to raise money. Um, and there's a lot of charities that are unaware of that. Uh, was that new for you or was that old information just represented? Well, you know, that when I met uh, him, that was uh, part of the fascination with it because I knew about this, but there was no streamlined process where you could do an application in one place and register all over the country. That's different, thanks to Kristen, because he does that for you. He has a system, an automated system, and he can get that done. He can get you registered everywhere so that you're good in all 50 states. And that's remarkable. That program was was phenomenal because these are the things that people struggle with. You know, you have your mission, but you've got all of these regulation laws and things that you're required to follow and to look at. And that was a, a, a program where we had a lot of people that were active. I encourage you to look at that program because we discussed a lot of things from a compliance standpoint that a lot of people don't necessarily think about. Uh, I'm working on a series of blog posts myself that are going to cover different compliance type things. Kristen's another one that's here in my backyard. He's a Coloradan. He's here in the in the Denver metropolitan area. So uh, I've got brilliant people. Uh, him and Jessica do right here in my own backyard. It's it's great to know them. But you know, we covered all sorts of things. It's not just fundraising registration. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the businesses that you have. But the long and short of it is that he has systems that he can set up for you that will keep you in compliance. Go back and have a look at that podcast. It'll be very informative, I think. Absolutely. And I forgot, I said he was in California, but really he's in Denver in your backyard. So before that, we were down in Raleigh, North Carolina. And um, I think people may have heard of a, of a charity that feeds people. Uh, it was founded by a friend of ours, uh, Ray Buchanan, as uh, Stop Hunger Now. And they couldn't use that brand, speaking of brand, in some countries that had that name registered. So they rebranded it, which is a big deal, um, as Rise Against Hunger. And they're on target to produce, I believe, uh, 78 million meals. Mm -hmm. And if you, you've probably been, my, my Rotary did a, a packaging, my church did a packaging. A whole bunch of people come together, you have a great time, and you package 20, 30,000 meals. And before you're done, they're on the truck going to the location. These were going to Haiti. But he, he talks about succession here. Now, he is the executive director, and he replaced the founder, uh, Ray Buchanan. So what Ray did was to set up a project um, as a legacy project. And what I found to be extremely valuable um, is, is their clarity, their clarity of their vision and mission statement. And so we struggle, we struggle with that a lot. And um, so our impact, let me, let me see if I can find it on their website. Um, so they, they, for Ray, for many, many, many years, he, he had a board that didn't like his vision. His vision um, was to end hunger in our lifetime. And I don't know about you, Russell, but that's a pretty big deal. 2030, I think, was the year that he, he mentioned. And uh, that's a tall order, but he's operating in a number of countries. Uh, there's a young man he mentored, and his name escapes me right off the top of my head, who's now his CEO that he kind of brought in to replace him. But they were thinking Rod, of Rod Brooks. 
Pardon? Rod Brooks. Rod Brooks, yeah, I couldn't remember. I was looking for him because we actually talked to Rod and I was looking for that interview. I think we've got one on file with Rod. And uh, the succession planning and bringing on partners, he's another one that does a lot of collaboration to grow that impact. And they drive that with volunteers. And you really have to, to be plugged into the pulse of, of people you're serving and you're connected with to create uh, a volunteer. Do you remember right off the top, Hugh, how large that volunteer base was? I thought he gave us a number, but I don't remember. We did. It's, um, it's worldwide. They have, uh, they have organizations in Malaysia and India and Italy, South Africa, Philippines, and informal relationships other places. And they have offices around the United States with 140 employees. But they, they, then people come together and actually my Rotary used the money they raised, I think, for the golf tournament to pay for the food that we, we then went and packaged. And the brilliance of this is they could probably automate putting these food packets together, but it's people coming together, having a social event, um, helping other people. And the, the scope of their work is not limited to these meals. These meals help is a bridge. So while people are, there's some, some organizations that have a fishery, some do farming, some do other ways to be able to uh, feed the people in their community. And so let me read you what's on their website um, under our mission. I told you what their vision was. And I find over and over, and I bet you do too, that, that people struggle with articulating a vision and mission statement and they want to tell you how to build a clock when all you want to know is what time it is. And so listen to how they've, this latest iteration, and they've, they've combined it in this mission statement. Rise Against Hunger is driven by the vision of a world without hunger. So that's their vision. It's a world without hunger. By the way, the UN has that same vision. Our mission is to end hunger in our lifetime by providing food, and life-changing aid to the world's most vulnerable and creating a global commitment to mobilize the necessary resources. So that's, it's a, it, it isn't every detail about everything they do, but I got to tell you, that moves me. That was a profound statement. And they've, uh, so there was that piece about what they do and how they motivate their volunteers, how they engage their board. But the big takeaway for me is how do you replace a founder? And, and um, he said it wasn't a slam dunk, it wasn't a smooth transition, but for the commitment of Ray Buchanan, who was the founder, and Rod, who, who Ray brought in, they, they were committed to how are we gonna take the wisdom that, that Ray has over the years and the underlying passion for what he created, and then how do we create this legacy that's going to go on past Ray's years. Now he's still healthy. He's a little younger than me. He lives in Lynchburg. He's a friend of mine. And as a matter of fact, Russell, he's the cover photo and Rise Against Hunger is the feature article in the uh, current issue of Nonprofit Performance 360 magazine, which people can find at nonprofitperformance.org. So part of Part of what we do in our articles and our, our interviews is for people to tell stories of how they were successful, which isn't always, I did everything right. Very few times do we find that, but it's how did we learn from what we struggled with here? Having those conversations that kind of goes back to the podcast with Jessica Duell. It's, it's creative problem solving and not ignoring everything that's not going well. Uh, I think that there's a mistaken assumption, of, you know, for example, with, with grant programs that nonprofits get, there's a mistaken assumption that if things aren't necessarily going according to the plan that you laid out, well, maybe you don't want to talk about it. You just want to find a way to fix it. But you've got to put it on the table and take advantage of the genius around you to help solve it and look at things as they are. People don't relate to superhumans or perfect people. They relate to other folks that are going through the same challenges that they have gone through and are able to use the lessons that they learn 
to overcome those challenges. And, and, and uh, it's remarkable because what, what Ray looked at was how big this vision is, how important this vision is. We've got to find a way to make it go on and we've got to bring people into the tent and make it everybody's vision so that it doesn't just belong to one person. And engaging volunteers is an important way to do that. And it's just, it's remarkable how many volunteers he's been able to mobilize. And that's the the, the power of, of what he's created. And he wanted something that's going to go on way beyond him. And that's that's the, the the most remarkable leaders want something that will be a legacy that will go on beyond their years, grow and become something even better as it grows and goes along. Absolutely. And Russell, we've just seen another hour go whizzing by. And um, so we, um, we can't go in in-depth, but with a, we've already gone back 90 days. And before that, we had three bishops in a row, Bishop Younger with the Ramp Church down in Lynchburg here, Evangelist uh, Carlton Bishop, who has his movie out that's now on uh, Netflix, and he's sharing his story, and he got really ostracized by his church. And that was a fascinating story. That, again, was one that you did because I was meeting with the mayor that day. And then before that, Bishop Williman, I went down to, to uh, Duke Divinity School to interview Bishop Williman. And so I don't know how that happened. We had three bishops in a row. And then our friend Sharita Herring, we did one. She talked about nonprofit, the stepchild of business. And nonprofits uh, is, is her space, and she's the queen of that. And she recently got married, and I think her name is different, but listen to Sharita. And then um, Chuck Fulmer, who's creating 20 million jobs in this decade. And a lot of those will happen in, in um, the nonprofit community. Our friend Mark Smith, how to get the most out of the year ahead. And then the revenue generation programs. There was some guy that I found on the street, Russell Dennis. Now, that was a brilliant, brilliant interview with Russell. You had lots of nuggets. And that one was um, almost, it was eight months ago. So there's a lot in between there that we skipped over. But if people don't have the idea at this point that there's a whole lot of meat in these, um, there's something every week for you. So as Russell said, get on the subscription and um, continue to upgrade your skills. I remember, I don't know if you ever experienced Jim Rohn in person, but Jim Rohn would always say, work on yourself harder than you work on your business. And that's great advice from, from Jim, yeah. I'd also like to point out that the the Nonprofit Performance 360 magazine, there's an app in the App Store where you can subscribe and get electronic copies of that magazine. That publication, we enter, enter there are articles from thought leaders all over the world. And uh, so that that has a lot of outstanding uh, material is published every quarter, and, and they're just giants of industry who come by and share their thoughts on excellence for both personal excellence and organizational excellence and ways to build your nonprofit. The same way we try to convey these messages in the podcast. So uh, I love the work we're doing. Uh, which of our sponsors are we featuring this week? Hugh? I just talked to um, Bill Gilmer at WordSprint. I want to. We can't overpromote. WordSprint helps us stay uses. He prints the magazine, helps us mail. And so what he has taught me is about top of mind marketing. And we talked about the uh, the marketing pieces in this, this, this interview today. He helps you stay in touch with your tribe. So your tribe of donors continue to be donors. We tend to get the money, send them a thank you note, and then forget to tell them what the impact has been with that funding that they gave us. So I've learned a whole lot. So it's WordSprint, like fast, WordSprint.com. And Bill Kilmer and his team will let you interview them and talk about how you, every single case in two decades of the nonprofit he's worked with, every single one of them has gone up and up in their continuous donation and their increase of donations. Many have, have done substantial increases because they've committed over time 
to be consistent as that word that you lifted up earlier. So Russell, um, as usual, you have come up with some really meaty topics and points for people and uh, I always enjoy our conversations. Thank you for uh, your due diligence and, and, and digging out the nuggets from these great interviews. That's always a pleasure. I love this uh, show and uh, we've got lots out here. I encourage you again, uh, iTunes store, uh, go in and subscribe to the Nonprofit Exchange. It's also available on Stitcher and some other podcast platforms. And uh, so until uh, we meet again, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time next week, be here, uh, be there, be square, as they say. Replays are always up, always available. Uh, so go to the site, uh, go in, peruse the site, Take a look at all of the great nonprofit uh, uh, organizations and thought leaders that we featured here and grab some nuggets. And all of our guests always leave a little something of value uh, for our listeners and uh, viewers to, to take advantage of to, to help enhance uh, your operation. So with that, Hugh, I think we will uh, say goodbye until next week. And thank you for joining us on this edition of the Nonprofit Exchange. Well stated, Russell. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.